She looked up at me, dazed, as if she had no idea where she was or what had just happened. I helped her up and she didn't say anything. Then I saw a trickle of blood coming from her right ear. John Burrell and Joe Sullivan at the Cemetery Gates, Volume 2. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Devin. And this week we have special guests John Burrell and Joe Sullivan from Cemetery Gates on the show to discuss the world of small press publishing. This episode of Books in the Freezer is brought to you by Audible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without audiobooks. So if you want some spooky stories told by some familiar voices, try Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, read by Dexter's Michael C. Hall, or The Dead Zone, read by James Franco, or podcast favorite Joe Hill's Nosferatu, read by Kate Mulgrew. For a free audiobook and 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash booksinthefreezer. Happy listening! Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. <laughs> so when did you guys start Cemetery Gates? How did that come about? Um, yeah, so we actually started Cemetery Gates in um, fall of 2015 with the publication of our first book, um, Tales from Valley View Cemetery. Um, and yeah, Joe and I had been, uh, we, we were longtime friends. And so then the actual impetus for us um do, doing our first book was our love for scary stories to tell in the dark and um so we put that first book out and then when when we had finished it we were like oh uh i guess we'll just you know we just thought we'll just put this out ourselves and uh that's where cemetery gates was born cool yeah a lot of your um stuff definitely has that scary stories to tell in the dark feel that i i absolutely love i think especially with corpse cold and the artwork done by is his name chad worley yep. Yep. Great. So how did how did you guys hook up with him? So we actually um, found him on Instagram. Um, we, I mean, you know, when we were, uh, we, we, the idea was to uh, originally, we, well, we kind of had the idea for Corpse Cold almost like back when we did Value View. We wanted to do like the fully illustrated thing, but we, we just didn't, it was just kind of too much to think about at the time. Um, but so we thought we'd at least get a cover that kind of was evocative of that. So uh, we went on Instagram and just literally searched for scary stories to tell in the dark like, as a hashtag. And Chad actually, you know, smartly labels all of his stuff with that hashtag. So we found him and sent him a DM. And, yeah, and, we did that uh, cover. And then he did our, uh, uh, the following year, he did a book for us, a cover on that. And then the year after that is when we did Corpse Cold with him. Yeah, so we've been working with him since the beginning of Cemetery Gates meeting. So did you guys see the the new teaser trailers for scary stories to tell in the dark yeah yeah it looks cool it was cool i'm excited for it i was a little worried just because i think you know it was such a big part of like what i loved growing up so i was a little worried about it but i think definitely with that teaser trailer i'm a lot more excited yeah i um yeah i mean i i, I well i guess i'm like cautiously optimistic i don't yeah. know i always <laughs> feel like anytime like i don't know hollywood goes back and mines like 
some kind of retro thing, you know, it's I'm weary yeah. about it. But, uh, you know, I guess there's some cool people like behind it, like Guillermo de Toro. Um, and uh, I liked a couple of his movies. And so, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what it's like definitely, come the summer. I mean, sorry, they definitely paying homage to the source material. I mean, the Herald's the first image they released. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's yeah. that's always good that they're not just gonna you know use the use the title and go do all go off and do other. Yeah, things. I didn't even think about that. It's like they just completely don't even use any of the stories of the book or anything. Well, it looks yeah. like they are. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's the the girl with the spider eggs in her face. I think that's the one that I remember the most vividly. Yeah, <laughs> that that's... Like haunted me into adulthood. <laughs> yeah, that one's uh, that one was six with most people. I think it's just so uh, gruesome. I'm I'm also curious how they're going to tie it all together since it's a book of, like you know, little urban legends and short stories. Like, what what kind of narrative is going to weave them all together? But we'll see. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a synopsis where they're following a a boy goes into a house and he finds a book and it has these stories. Okay. In it. Oh, okay. a little bit yeah. like the Goosebumps. I think the first Goosebumps or second Goosebumps was like that. Interesting. I really wish I had something to add to it, but I never grew up with scary stories no what about goosebumps <laughs> no goosebumps yes i read a lot of goosebumps as a kid and i watched a lot of are you afraid of the oh, dark right on joe and i were just having the are you afraid of the dark discussions before this podcast so we talk about about are you afraid of the dark a lot <laughs> they're making that into a movie too right yeah it should be coming out in the in the summer too and then in the fall i guess they're gonna do a mini series on nickelodeon of our, Are You Afraid of the Dark, like a little reboot. I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark. <laughs> yeah, John actually inter- interviewed the uh, DJ McHale, the, the showrunner on that show for uh, Cemetery Dance Magazine. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's cool. I got to have like an hour and a half long conversation with him. It was, it was pretty cool. He's a really cool guy. So you named the um, the press Cemetery Gates. Is that a nod to Cemetery Dance or is that a nod to Pantera? Oh yeah, it's uh no, it's not <laughs> not the either really. It's just uh, Aww. it's just you know you go you go through a series of names after you have your book ready to go, and it's like, okay, Cemetery Gates Media, because we you know we wanted to make little movies and stuff, and we always wrote songs together, like we wrote spooky songs together and stuff like that. But so far, the only thing that's come out <laughs> is our books. Books. But Joe, Joe, Joe is uh. Uh, he's really into like collectible art, card games and board games and stuff. And so the one of the original ideas was to do like a some horror themed card games and stuff. So that might come come about someday. Um, but yeah, another thing with the cemetery gates. I don't know if you guys are uh, fans of the Smiths at all, but it's a, a little bit of a pseudo reference to the song they have called Cemetery Gates. <laughs> we do get the Pantera references a lot <laughs> yeah. on our posts, though. You know, if a, if a Facebook post gets enough views, somebody's going to mention a Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's unavoidable. Yeah. So you said so far the only thing you've gotten out is the books, but when you say you know, yeah, Cemetery Gates Media, it's, this is what you're this is your small press. So you guys are hoping to expand that upon in in other mediums. Like, is that still like an idea for you guys on the docket or? Yeah, I was I was kind of developing different games before I was really getting back into writing, and then John was writing and showing me his stuff. So then we kind of. We kind of more went towards uh, writing short stories as opposed to developing games. But yeah, the, the games are still kind of there in development. Different, Like a few different kind of style game, like a card game and uh, like a game with more of a role-playing type games too. Okay. Nice. Exciting. Yeah, I kind of take the tag. I think I any, I know anything's on the table, I guess. I don't know. If somebody wanted us to like write a screenplay or something, I mean, I would definitely be 
for that. But yeah, it's basically just book. Yeah, books. Books for now. How how long have you guys been writing and publishing? I've been writing since my uh, early twenties, writing college. You know, writing straight through. I'm 36 now, and me and John, we all like we said. I think we've been writing songs together since we were teenagers, and uh, we've even wrote some like you know horror songs and some like folk taily folk type songs along the way. So I don't know. He, he was showing me his writing. You know, it was like summer of 2015, and I'm just like, well, I got some stories too. And we just, you know, then we just started writing together from there. Has it always been horror? Well, I I wrote poetry a few for a few years, and I I I just I like all stories or all sorts of fiction. Yeah, and with me, I actually before Joe and I got together, I was actually in the writing this like sci-fi novel that I would rather not <laughs> ever look at again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're both into like like you know tons of different genres and um and stuff but horror yeah that's something that we kind of both uh are both into we both kind of like the same sort of horror stuff as well so what was probably like the hardest thing to learn i guess with like opening a press and like what's something maybe you didn't expect i'd have to say it's mostly just uh it's not putting the book together or making a book that looks nice and professional it's just getting in front of people getting people to actually read it and comment and give you feedback on your book. I think that's just like the hardest thing, like the initial marketing you do. Yeah. And ours was like mostly, I mean, we kind of just took baby steps all along the ways the first couple years. And then we launched our Kickstarters and we kind of figured out like the, like how you actually market and use ads and, you know, push, push different social media that's kind of what we, we learned most of our uh, most of the steps like um, distribution and like like how to move massive quantities of books. Yeah, I feel like it's like you know I guess how you learn most things. I mean, well, unless you go to college or something for it. I mean, there's, there's no college for being a horror small press. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we just kind of you know oh we now we need to do this. Oh now we need to learn how to. Uh, you know, put the put the book together. Um, you know, as a manuscript. Now we need to learn how to, yeah, advertise it and um, how to, you know, even make like graphics. I picked up like some graphic design skills over the over the over the years, um, doing stuff like that for us. Um, yeah, setting stuff up through yeah distribution stuff. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff you kind of just pick up and just do it just because you have to fail often fail fast yeah that's right <laughs> yeah we both come from like i mean we grew up in like the punk scene and stuff and so uh we were in bands and you know it was never a thing like oh we need to oh we got to get signed before we can put out a record or something like that um you know we would have a band and you know record our record our record get it professionally done and then put it out ourselves and stuff so it comes from this whole i guess sort of diy ethos i'm i'm the the indie guy <laughs> when it comes to fiction and I, I totally, I totally get behind that. In, in your opinion, what would you think? What, or what would you consider some of the benefits of doing it this way as opposed to, say, querying and uh, trying to be with a traditional publisher? Well, I, I'd say that it's, it's like you can develop, you can develop like and release stuff. You know, it's because like, like when we released our first book, you know, it's kind of like we don't really know what a professional grade book would look like from us. So let's put this out and see what, what feedback we get. You know, and you get some good feedback and you get some uh, 
you know, paying reviews, and it's just kind of like, well, the next book will get better. So then we put the next book out, and the next book out, and next. But finally, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, we build momentum towards making like a professional product each time we put we put a book out, as opposed to just kind of waiting on like the machinery of like a publishing, even if it's a small publisher, you know, because we have friends who wait years to put yeah. like their first book out, even after they've gotten signed by a publisher. Yeah, I mean, you look at yourself, yeah, like, just certain friends in our writer circle. Oh, yeah, it's coming out in, like, 18 months. Yeah, it's like kind of like Nightmare Scenario where it keeps getting <laughs> rolled over. It's like, oh, no, it'll be another six months. It'll be, like, any time now. It's like, oh, I feel bad, man. I just can't imagine having to wait that long, especially because, you know, you're just, you, especially when you finish something, you're, I mean, you're almost, like, ready to move on to the next thing. So, um, yeah, having to wait, I think being a patient is, uh, is something that a trait we have. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. And also having like full control over everything, um, in terms of like how we want the book to look, um, you know, editing it, um, just, yeah, like having that a lot more control over everything. Yeah. The, the glacial pace of traditional publishing is well known. It's like, that's why if you look back in like the eighties and early nineties, a lot of traditionally published authors, big authors have pen names because they'd be with publisher and they had a book deal of so many books from there, but they come out every other year. So they would go a pen name under different publishers so they can get more revenue coming in, more books out there. That's, what, that's how Stephen King originally started as well. That's where Bridget Bachman came from. I didn't know that. I thought it was just because he wanted like a different voice, like a more thrillery or something. King King was too prolific for his own good, so he was making books faster than his publisher would produce. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I always thought it was just like a test for him, but yeah, I guess it does make sense, <laughs> right? Yeah, he had to put it out. Yeah, he wanted to put more stuff out. Yeah, I, I always thought it was a branding thing, like J.K. Rowling. Or... Well, I think Rowling, yeah, Rowling probably was more of a branding thing. But a lot of old sci-fi authors and such, they have like three or four different oh. pen names just so they could write with three or four different like publishing houses and such. Oh. Learn something new every day. <laughs> See, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how different do you think or how... Um, impactful is it that you guys use you establish the cemetery gates brand for your body of work as opposed to just releasing it as you know john and joe and doing it as as an indie i mean i would say that people you know we set sort of a a tone for the kind of you know i guess the brand has a tone to it like the kind of the, the stories and the books that we put out um you know it's not a it's not, I, I don't know, a quote-unquote modern horror. It's is sort of these tales sort of steeped in folklore and more in that tradition. Our, like, so we have kind of like two main brands, like the Cemetery Gates Media and uh, then Burrell and Sullivan. It's kind of like we want you to think of like Cemetery Gates Media and the Burrell and Sullivan, like that name, not John Burrell or Joe Sullivan, but Burrell and Sullivan. And then, and then you have an idea. If you've read one of our books, you have a pretty good idea of like what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's one of the first thing I noticed when I went onto the website is distinctly you can see like if I would see any of these books on the the Kindle store, you could you would you would recognize that it's it's one of your your books. Like look at Valley View Cemetery and then at Cemetery Gates, even uh, Corpse Cold has a very similar tone, a very similar kind of aesthetic to it. Yeah, it definitely helps the yeah, I mean we've like Chad is almost like an unofficial um I guess sort of member of, of Cemetery Gates, uh, just because yeah, we, I mean we yeah we've worked with him now yeah four Three, four, four times four times four yeah, times because he just did the cover for uh, at the Cemetery Gates Volume Two that came out this fall. 
Yeah, I like that cover. That's the one with the like Jack Skellington looking dude on the uh, at the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Orange, <laughs> it's our orange Halloween. <laughs> we keep having running this. We're kind of well, I guess a good problem now. We have so many books out with those Chad covers that okay, we have the you know we oh we have the one with the red font. We have the one with the you know the blue font. So it's like we're 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 thinking like oh we got to get all the whole color spectrum on there. So we're uh, orange, I guess, fit for the Halloween vibe. So. We'll figure out whatever the next one is. Um, so what exactly you guys say working on in the, the upcoming months or the year? So what's, what's next, I guess, for Cemetery Gates? All right. So we just uh, finished writing uh, a novella. It's only probably going to be about 20,000 words. It's, uh, it's a little sci-fi horror, little um, Stephen Kingy, uh, um, Tommy knockers ish But, you know, kind of still in our... Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone type of vibe. And uh, it's going to be illustrated by Ryan Sheffield, who's another artist that's pretty similar. He's He's got like a different, he's, he's kind of similar to Chad Warley and uh, Shane Hunt, who's done another one of our covers. But he's going to do uh, 10 illust- interior illustrations to go along with the story. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's like our first time. At, yeah, take, it's like, I guess, blending the two things. Because we've put out a couple novellas now. They put out a bunch of short stories and, you know, Corpse Cold with the art. So this one's taking, like, a long story and combining the art with it, which is something novel for us. Um, but, yeah, as Joe said, Ryan's kind of like, um, he, he yeah, he does that sort of same sort of scary stories to come in darkish vibe, but it's a little, I don't know how to describe it's it. Pretty, it's pretty, it's like unique. It's like Chad is his own version, Ryan is his own version of a Stephen Gamble-like inspiration. And uh, Shane Hunt is another one we've worked with who's got that same sort of style in his own in his own way. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah, hopefully we release it in the next few months. Oh, cool. It's a, it's a winter story that ends in the spring, so it's nice having a nice seasonal, seasonal release. Right, right. Well, yeah, we've, I mean, the thing I guess that's worked out, really worked out for us is like, we've come up with a bunch of different ideas and we'll, we'll, we'll start right working on something and you know, we're really liking it and, you know, we'll, we'll keep, uh, we keep writing it and maybe like we end up like kind of running out of steam with it and come, come back to it later. So usually you have like a few different projects we're working on at the same time, um, which is cool. Cause like, you know, if you get like bored of one thing or you're just not feeling it at that moment, you know, you can work on the other thing. And You can see that like having a lot of a different stuff to work on. It's easy to get, if you focus on one project to get burnt out on it and then start resenting it. Yeah, we have a ton of just stories from sort of, I guess, ideas for books that are just in Google Docs right now um, that we, you know, like they just didn't pan out or, you know. Like yeah, we have a full, there's a, our second book was uh, Marvel, Marvelry's Curiosity Shop. And we have a, a full sequel worked out <laughs> in novella form or novel form. We just, uh, we just never got back to it, I guess. I did want to ask, with you guys co-authoring, how do you do that do you guys take like one story each that you each do or do you you know does one person focus on one aspect of the writing and another on the other like how does the whole co-writing thing work for you uh we've done different ways where we've sat in the same room and uh shouted out lines together and written them down <laughs> we've also done ways where you know if we had written separate stories and have the other critique yeah uh, but usually it's uh for like a longer one like the novella uh, one person will start and the other person will kind of come in, maybe make suggestions and then 
you know, continue on with the story. And then, you know, it's kind of like go back and forth. That's kind of like the most common way we work together. Yeah, we've managed to kind of, I guess, sort of, you know, it's writing together. You kind of have to find that, like, a cohesive voice. You know, you don't want to read one paragraph oh, yeah. and then it sounds like, wait, it sounds like a completely different author. So I think it mm-hmm. helps that we kind of, like, have the similar sensibilities when it comes to writing. Like, we're not overly, uh, like, I guess, ornate with our language and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, we both kind of have, like the same sort of tone for our story. So it definitely helps in that regard. Yeah, we don't really get writer's block because the other person kind of just yeah. will just go, go at, go off. And it's like, oh, okay, I like that. And then you come back in. That is a good thing about that. Yeah, and you guys both have uh, similar experiences and you're you're pulling from kind of the same inspiration with the whole kind of folklore scary stories to tell in the dark thing. Because uh-huh. I definitely do see a, a cohesive tone throughout. Yeah, and I think it both also it actually is a pretty cool thing for us because we grew up together and we grew up in the same town. Is that we kind of, mm-hmm. in when we're writing, in a lot of the stuff we actually base in, like, you know, fictional versions of our hometown. So, like, it's easy for us to kind of imagine these locations and describe things in the same sort of way, um, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, we can, I guess we both can kind of envision this sort of same fictional world, like, fictional world together. So, was it like a rural area where you guys grew up? Cause I just I feel like all like the scary stories to tell in the dark stories take place in like we live in rural a small areas town. or like small town yeah yeah it's a small town um, it's got rural areas to it but mm-hmm. I mean yeah yeah it's a small town near a, a small mall. city <laughs> it's a small town near a small yeah. city so I mean it has it has like the a, a gamut of flavor I guess yeah to pull mm-hmm. from well that's good there's a lot of a lot of stuff to pull from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ready to talk about books <laughs> so what's your first pick Steph <laughs> all right uh so my first pick well for all of these I think we're we're doing books from small presses you know for the the theme of the episode so the one I am picking is from Word Horde um which is a publisher we've mentioned uh a bit and the one I'm going to talk about is Fright into Flight this is edited by Amber Fallon and uh I think the reputation this one has is being kind of the all-girl answer to Stephen King's, you know, aviation horror anthology, Fright or Flight. Um, and it was, it's really good. And I will say what I liked about it is not all of these stories are necessarily like about airplanes. I think they are just about the flight in general or being airborne. And so I really liked kind of the freedom that everyone had to work with. There was a lot of really good stories. Uh, probably my favorite one was the first one that was called The Floating Girls, a documentary. And this was by Damien Angelica Walters. And it was really interesting. There's a, in the story, there's like this phenomenon of girls like floating up into the sky and like disappearing. And it's many years later and there's like a, a neighbor friend of one of the girls that disappeared is like investigating. And I really liked it one because it, it did have an interesting subject matter, but it really got into like the intricacies that are that are in like a young female friendship and the complicated nature of that sometimes. Uh, another one that I really liked was the uh, final story and when she was bad by Nadia Bulkin. I think this one is also in her single like single author collection. She said destroy. Uh, but this is about a final girl, and it was just a lot of fun. I also definitely suggest following Nadia Bulkin on Twitter just because I love her, like, horror movie reviews. She does those, like, all the time. 
and she'll like grade them and give like little synopses. And yeah, so that is Fright into Flight, edited by Amber Fallon. Uh, for a temperature rating, I would say room temperature, just because I think short stories, especially anthologies, when you have multiple authors contributing stories, there's going to be a variety of tones and scariness. So I think I'm going to say room temperature with this one. So that is my pick. What about you, Devin? <laughs> well, my pick is The Black by Paul E. Cooley. Uh, this title came out from Severed Press, which is my favorite small press. The Black is a best described as on on Paul's own website as the Leviathan meets the Thing. Um, it takes place on an offshore oil derrick where they basically you know they dig too deep, they find this new patch of oil, um, then the Let's just say it's not quite oil. It's the black. It's a creature kind of horror, kind of Lovecraftian in a way. I'm terrible with going into plot synopses, but that that's that's the setup for it. This this oil derrick kind of un- unearthed this creature that's probably ancient. Um, it's got three or four sequels out now. It's got an amazing audiobook uh, done by Shadow Publications, which is Paul's own press. Um, he narrates it himself. Story. It's funny that you mentioned Levi, like the movie Leviathan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that movie, like, that's like it totally reminds me. Of, I have this like childhood memory of that being on TV, like a, like USA Network, and my sister and dad and, and I were watching it, and I had to leave the room because it scared me so much. And my sister, <laughs> my sister, like made fun of me for that for like years. It's like Johnny Leviathan's on. <laughs> so yeah, I can watch it now though. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you've cried. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as far as temperature rating, I would probably say uh, a chilled room temperature. Okay. But again, it's it's if you're in a creature horror, it's definitely solid. Right on, John. What do you have for us? Okay, so I'd like to. I guess my my first pick is going to be my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Nice. Love that yeah. book. <laughs> you guys have read that? Speaking of 80s, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, so that's from Cork Books. Um, yeah, so I guess in terms of, uh, I guess for, I don't know, for people who are unfamiliar with Grady Hendrix, um, he, I guess he's sort of like a, a scour of horror. Um, and uh, he, he wrote this book from uh, a couple, or within the last year or so called. Uh, now I can't remember. Books of Blood. Paperbacks from Hell. Yeah, Paperbacks from Hell. Books of Blood is that part. <laughs> um, yeah, Paperbacks from Hell, which yeah. is you know it's kind of documenting like I guess like like 80s like uh, paperback horror novels. And so yeah, he's clearly like I guess ha- has like uh, into you know retro stuff. And so and my best friend Exorcism uh, plays off of that sort of thing. So it's uh, about this girl um, in the 80s who has this best friend. And they go into the woods, and she ends up getting, I guess, possessed in some sort of way. I mean, I really, I can't give away too much of the plot, but um, it's really cool because it has this hor- cool, like, horror vibe, but it's also almost like a 80s John Hughesian um, sort of thing with a lot of references to, you know, songs and pop culture at the time. Like, every every chapter is named after an 80s pop hit. 
Um, and I'm a huge 80s pop music fan, so that like really appealed to me. Um, yeah, it's just a and it's just a cool story. It's just it's just got it's it's got a tiny little bit of scares, but it's mostly like a, almost like a comedy to me with some some dramatic elements. Yeah, I I'm glad I'm glad you did this because I would have picked one of Grady's books, but everybody would probably roll their eyes because I don't <laughs> shut up about Grady Hendrix. <laughs> um, my first actual episode being like. I guess hosting on Books in the Freezer was our interview with Grady. Oh, cool. Sweet. That was like highlight of my year last year. Nice. Yeah, I actually, I've actually interviewed him as well. Yeah, I did one of those, another Cemetery Dance interview. I had this column from, for them, um, and uh, I, I interviewed people about the, their first fright. Um, and so Grady Hendrix talked about this stuff. Uh, he had this book on witchcraft that sort of got him into horror and all that sort of Okay, so my rating. So I'm sorry. So it's the cool colder it is the scarier it is or uh, scarier yeah. it is yeah um so i mean i guess my my rating for my best friend's exorcism would have to be um uh i guess like a a, a bag of frozen peas that have been left out on the counter so a little <laughs> long it's not very cold at all it's a little it's kind of warm or lukewarm but um it's still a good book yeah Hi, uh, my first pick's uh, a new book from a new author, Gemma O'Moore. The book's uh, Cruel Works of Nature. It's 11 uh, horror stories, short horror stories that she illustrated herself. And it's uh, it's been really, really enjoyable. I'm glad, I'm glad that I came across it because I think she's going to be really popular. She's got this really intense, just really skilled, the writing style mixed with – she came up through uh, – the Reddit's No Sleep and No Sleep podcast. And she kind of marries like our favorite things, you know, the creepypasta urban legends. It's like literary horror. And uh, so she's got she's got little stories that are like um, little sci-fi, you know, just like really creepy. And she's British, so it's like that kind of feel to it. She's pretty British, so I like that too about it. <laughs> Like all the calling a road a tarmac and that kind of thing, I just think it's neat. So yeah, so cruel works in nature from a haunted house publishing, which is uh, run by Tobias Wade. He's another one of the no sleep alone. And, uh, my favorite story of that's uh, called Foliage. It's just one of those really a plant based horror. So I like, I just like stuff like that. That cover is insane too. Yeah, Mark. Mark Pelham, yeah. Yeah, I like it with her, like, with a, a person, like, ripping their face off. <laughs> I will definitely have to check that out. Thank you for putting that on my radar. Yeah, I'd say it's a, a, in the in the refrigerator, not quite in the freezer, but it's 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 got, like, Ooh, okay. the creepypasta writers tend to, you know, they tend to be able to hit it, hit that, uh, yeah. hit that nice amount, a little bit of terror, get that little bit of terror in there. So my next book is from flame tree press that is the siren and the specter by jonathan jans so go ahead and roll your eyes devin <laughs> jonathan jans i'm shocked <laughs> i also mention him a lot like devin mentions grady hendrix i mentioned jonathan jans <laughs> <laughs> he's like my the bingo card author for me <laughs> but this time i didn't mention grady first just to put that out there okay you win <laughs> so uh this came out last year this is kind of a ghost story it follows a man named david kane who is like this famous skeptic 
and he's published a lot of books on debunking the supernatural. And he gets invited to stay at this house called Alexander House that has the reputation for being the most haunted house in Virginia. But he's also personally haunted by the fact that over like 20 years ago, he uh, rejected this girl, his his girlfriend, and she ended up killing herself. And so all of those things are coming together while he is staying at this house. And I really liked it, first of all, because I just really enjoy Jonathan Jans's writing. And I wasn't sure what to think going into this, because I think I personally tend to write off like ghost stories as kind of like a tamer fiction that have more like atmosphere than scariness. But this one was like legitimately creepy and unsettling. So I think this one made me kind of fall in love with like ghost stories again, uh, like in that way and kind of, I guess, give them a little more, not necessarily like respect than I was giving them, but it, it changed my mind on like what a ghost story could be. And there are some characters in here that are just like, buck wild crazy <laughs> that I like still think about to this day. And there are some scenes in here that are hair raising. And so for that reason, I'm actually going to put this in the freezer. For a ghost story, it does really pack a punch. So that is The Siren and the Spectre by Jonathan Jans. Yeah, uh, a freezer rating on a ghost story from Steph. That's that's noteworthy. All right. So what, what's up with you, Devin? <laughs> oh, man. Lots of... Oh, the next... Oh, sorry. You mean the next book? Wrong podcast. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, my second book is Island Life by William Meikle. This is produced through Griffinwood Press. Again, kind of, I feel like a lot of my recommendations follow pretty uh, paint my numbers like setups, but all of them I find take their own spin on it. Um, Island Life is essentially a small remote island. Um, I believe it's in Scotland. And this archaeological dig kind of, it disturbs uh, kind of an ancient like society of these things that kind of gets disturbed by this archaeological dig and this is the story of the few inhabitants of the island trying to survive when they you know burst to the surface and start uh reclaiming what was theirs um i find everything he does puts like he has his own distinct kind of style and and way of going about it um so island life was the first book i read by him so i would be remiss not to use that as my uh, recommendation for this small press title in terms of temperature probably the same as last a chilled room temperature kind of all right john what's your next pick um so i guess for our next pick i'd like to actually um recommend i guess it's like a series overall can i do that okay like so um i've been following well, actually joe and i have been following um this uh small press for a while uh, crystal lake publishing um uh we actually have a some friends who are actually have been published published by them and they they put out um some just some cool indie horror stuff um and i've uh i like i've i, I most of the horror stuff i actually i actually usually read short story collections for the most part um and so uh their tales from the lake books have been um some favorites of mine recently um and I guess, uh, it's, you know, there's so many different kinds of stories within these books. It's, it's sort of hard to kind of give a plot synopsis. But they, they run the gamut from um, being really, there's some, I can think of one, Tales from the Lake Vine, to um, some, like, really bleak, depressing sort of horror, to all the way to, like, 
almost like splatterhouse, just ridiculous campy stuff to, um, yeah, like the, like an 80s kind of horror sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, I would, I would, I would recommend those books if you're, if you're looking for a good, uh, varied short story collection. What was that called again? Other uh, Tales from the Lake. I think there's five of them now. Yep. There's five volumes. Uh, three, four, and five have different editors. I find that yeah. interesting. But the, the covers look insane. I guess, <laughs> um, it's as like, like sticking your hand into a, a pile of cold snow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it can be pretty. It can be. It can be. Uh, there's some. Yeah, some scary stuff in there. Uh, but also, there's okay. some other stuff too. It's not sticking your whole. Not that being buried in the snow pile. It's just kind of just sticking your hand. Okay, right. <laughs> I like that. I'm liking these these temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe. What do you have for us? Well, my second pick's uh, from J.D. McGregor, Canadian author. It's uh, Devils in the Details. He, I think it came out last fall. I want to say it's a haunted house publishing. I know he was with them, but it might also be self-published. So I don't know if I'm breaking the rules of small publishing. It, it, it's okay. We did an indie episode, and I did a small press book, so it, it bounced. <laughs> out. Well, I know he's. I know he's going to be uh, releasing a bunch of books, so I imagine he'll have his own little press um, eventually. But yeah, his uh, devils in the details. He's got a lot of. I mean, just really nice. Like, reminds me of Twilight Zone episodes, just story after story. It doesn't really have the campiness of uh, a Tales from the Crypt. But I just, <clears throat> he's got one story, uh, Mile High Club, speaking of, you know, the, the what was that, the Richard Matheson book? Oh, uh, 20, tire 20,000 yeah. feet? Yeah. yeah, I think Stephanie referenced it earlier. But yeah, he's a, he's a story in there called Mile High Club, which... It's just got a real nice twist to it. And now we have our uh, quota for Canadian content, so we're good. <laughs> we have to mention at least one Canadian author per episode. It's an unwritten rule. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd say that's that's in the refrigerator. That's in the crisper. Okay. I think that's in the crisper, at least. A little oh. cooler. A little cooler. <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's got a lot of good stuff. He's, uh, you know, he doesn't write by numbers. He's just got a lot of good twists in the story. I enjoy his work. We like twists. Yeah, we like twists. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for chilling obsessions. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about a movie I saw on Shutter recently. I think it's a, a Shutter original or a Shutter exclusive, uh, but it's called "You Might Be the Killer." And this was fun because it was kind of a, a meta slasher movie. It stars Allison Hannigan and her characters working at this horror memorabilia type store. She gets like a panicked call from her friend who was running a summer camp and he is calling her, telling her that he came upon all the dead bodies of the counselors. And so she's like walking them through and like, okay, well you know, did you, was there like a boy that drowned there and maybe like people are coming out for revenge? Like she's going through all these different scenarios with him, like pulling out all these like horror tropes and walking him through. And like at one point she says like, actually you might be the killer. And it's a lot of fun because then you get to go back in time and kind of see how the story unfolded. And there's like a, a kill count whenever someone dies and getting into the whole mythology of like, especially summer camp type horror and Friday the 13th and all of the 
fun stuff like that. So I thought it was a lot of fun. It's called You Might Be the Killer, and it's on Shutter. Interesting thing about You Might Be a Killer mm-hmm. is that the story, um, I can't remember if it was either inspired by or based on um, work by Chuck Wendig and Sam Sykes. Really? I thought you were going to say a true story. I was waiting for it. But the main characters in the story is also Sam and Charlotte, I believe, who's called Chuck. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig's story, they, the writers named them for them. I did not know that. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, Devin, what are you enjoying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have what's probably going to be a weird one for That's totally today. Cool. <laughs> um, okay. It's a video game. And for those that remember, like, Typing Tutor back in the day, um, like these software educational games where you just type and you know um keep track of errors and stuff like this well anyway this is a in the same vein as that this is a video game that just came out called the textersis (laughs) the story of ray bibia what (laughs) (laughs) the textersis (laughs) is this like haunted mavis beacon yeah the, the the genre is bullet hell shooter um if you know anything about games it's kind of like where uh, bullet hell shooters is when you have a sprite and you literally are shooting in every direction and bullets are flying everywhere and hence bullet hell. Um, the way this game works is it's a 16-bit game, so it's kind of like Super Nintendo graphics. You play this exorcist named Ray Bibia, and the way the mechanics work is as you're trying to exercise these demons, they're shooting things at you like projectiles and stuff like this, and you fight them by typing out the like the the exorcism so like it comes up on the screen and you have to type it while avoiding the attacks from the demons <laughs> and when you get to the end it they, they get exercised so yeah it's it's a really good educational game it's really good to help you with your typing i wish i would have played this oh but yeah if you if you look it up and just look at some of the gameplay of it it's it's hilarious to look at that's and, cool yeah you know what that reminds me i've actually wasn't there a game uh typing of the dead Typing of the Dead, yeah. That was like a House of the Dead type game, but it's basically the same premise. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. This is a whole subgenre I was unaware of. <laughs> Typing horror games. <laughs> it's a good time. I'm planning on streaming it at some point, actually. All right, so what have you been enjoying, John? So can I talk about... Uh, does it necessarily have to be a fictional thing, or can it be a documentary? No. It's pretty It's pretty open. Okay, no, cool. anything I mean, at all. Um, yeah, well, I've watched a, a few good movies lately, but... Um, Actually, a documentary I saw recently. Uh, I don't know if you guys are big fans of Fright Night or not, but um, I watched a documentary called "You're So Cool, Brewster: The Story of Fright Night." Um, and it's a really cool. It's a, actually, you know, usually I I, I kind of am wary like going in and watching a documentary about some movie like that because usually I expect just like I don't know, really low quality, like kind of they interview like some guy who saw the movie you know five years ago or something like but no like and they actually got like like every all the major people who were in the movie um uh were interviewed and uh you know like chris chris sarandon and um you know all the other all the other guys um other than roddy mcdowell who died like 20 years ago um but uh yeah all the major actors interviewed tom holland the director uh they talk about like location scouting like special there's a whole ton of stuff about special effects the writing process um, marketing like it's just it's just a really cool um overview of like the beginning the genesis of the movie to 
um, going on to you know uh, fandom and sequels and everything. So and it's it's really well done for for a documentary like about a horror like a yeah a cult horror. Movie. Yeah, I've heard of it though, and it's uh, kind of like the uh, Never Sleep Again for Fright Night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's well done. It's on it's on Shutter right now. And surprisingly, one of the two directors is Tom Holland, who is presently Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. The same Tom Holland. <laughs> same guy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Like, got to play Spider Man now in the new movie. But yeah, that's definitely a documentary of note. I would I'll back up that uh, recommendation for sure. I'll have to check it out because I was like looking through specifically like documentaries on shutter and i was like i don't even know like which ones are good or not like where where should i go so thank you for that recommendation i'll be sure to check not to put you on the spot step but have you seen fright night yes okay old and new don't start okay okay i wasn't sure (laughs) did you like the new one the 2011 one it was okay i think you tend to have a like love for Mm. whatever you saw first and i saw the original first so i was kind of like yeah about it It would have been different, I think, if I saw the new one first and then saw the original. I might have been a little more into it. Yeah, I don't like it as much. I mean, I thought it was all right, but it doesn't stack up. So what about you, Joe? <laughs> what have you been enjoying lately? Well, I've been uh, delving deep in, like, 80 schlock horror, specifically yes. specifically uh, Linda Blair horror movies. Like, just there's so many of her movies i just never seen before. I've just run across recently, like Hell Night in the early 80s. And then like the chilling, and she even did an Italian giallo type movie with uh, called Witchery that I just recently, only in the last few days, I've seen. So I've just been getting into that. It's just it's just amazing, like just how much horror came out of the '80s. That you know, I grew up on horror, like WKX and USA Afternoons. My dad watching like everything that came out, VHS and everything. There's just so much of it. I just am only just touching getting back to now yeah specifically like yeah like this movie witchery it's just so weird and it's it's got it's italian it's italian made but i mean it's got uh, american and uh, canadian and british actors in it and it's just so strange it's like a it's like a bootleg uh, suspiria which just really with the italians they're really good at the visual effects and everything i don't know just i'm just focused on linda blair recently i guess <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I knew Linda Blair went on and did other things, but yeah, I've never never actually checked anything up with The Exorcist. Huh. Yeah, she actually did a a, a schlocky uh, movie called Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen, like a joke horror mm-hmm. movie too. But yeah, even before the uh, you know the scary movie type stuff, she did stuff with Leslie Nielsen. Did that used to be like County Central back in the day? David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair witchery. I need I'm to see so, it. Yeah, that's, that was that was like that's the best part. It's David Hasselhoff's like the boyfriend. They're looking for a house on this island off Massachusetts, and it's uh it's a witch. A witch kind of torments them. It's really it's really good. I mean, oh, that looks awesomely bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, there's some real nasty like torture type scenes too. It's just the Italians were just really good at that uh you know exploitative uh visual horror stuff oh without a doubt yeah well thank you so much for joining us today guys yeah thank you for having us yep, thanks for having us. so where can people find you um we're on our website is uh, cemeterygatesmedia.com we're also on um, instagram at cemeterygatesm right yep and also on facebook at Cem- or twitter at cemeterygatesm we're also on facebook at cemeterygatesmedia yeah, so everyone go check them out. <laughs>
So Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram at Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. A special thank you to our Patreon supporters. We would not be able to do this without you. But if you're looking for a free way to support the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on a podcast app like iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps people find us. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. On Instagram at That's What She Read. That's with two A's. And on YouTube at That's What She Read. And I'm Devin. You can find me on Twitter at Insomni Reads. I'm also on YouTube as Indian Insomniac. And recently just got Twitch affiliated as Indian Insomniac as well. Thank you for listening and join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Thank <laughs> you.